0: Hey, is it Saturday yet? Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) A podcast presented by Student Union Sports.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Is It Saturday Yet? It's big Hop, but it's not Luke Owens doing the intro this time, but that's because we have a very special guest on. It's not Andrew Diaz. It is none other than former NFL Defensive Player of the Year, four-time Pro Bowler, current assistant head coach, and D-line coach at the University of Northern Iowa, and maybe most importantly, the man that I am named after, Coach Bryce Pop. Coach, thank you for coming on. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It was good to be able to talk football a little bit.
1: Absolutely. I know once we get into summer here it was like 88 degrees. I'm I'm just outside of Madison, Wisconsin, a place Wisconsin that you're very familiar with. You're a Midwestern boy like myself. Coach, I I first want to ask you about uh your career in the NFL. Former defensive player of the year. You had 17 and a half sacks that year. What's what's going through your mind? Are you just on another level week to week or or what was going on that year?
2: Yeah, it was um you know, I just came from the Packers and, you know, uh, I think the year before I started at four different positions in one year and I was kind of like a Jack of all trades, a master of none. And, um, Buffalo said, okay, we see you in this light and this is all we're going to ask you to do. And so I was able to hone my skills that I'd learned at green Bay and, uh, be able to use them week in and week out and be able to, uh, basically master. Them. And, you know, it, it also helped to have a guy on the other side by the name of bruce smith you know so uh, that doesn't hurt but uh, it was it was really good and um had good coaching staff and had good offense and so it just was the perfect storm
3: coach one of the interesting things about our show is that i'm a bills fan andrews a Vikings fan and bryce is a packers fan we don't have a jaguars fan on the show but we do have three of the four covered so I gotta ask you this because you know, in, in in the old baseball Hall of Fame days, you know, you go into the hall, you pick the cap to put on of the team that you want. If you were in that situation, which hat are you putting on?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Well, it would probably I don't know. That'd be a tough one. Um probably be Green Bay, just because it gave me an opportunity. Um, you know, I played there five years, made my first Pro Bowl. Uh, but you know, Buffalo uh, really put me on the map. So that would be a tough one, but probably Green Bay.
1: That's music to my ears. That's all I need. Let's make sure we get that in a nice clip. We'll put that one out for everybody to listen to. No, I'm kidding, but I, uh, I, I love it. You, you know, you're kind of in the Midwest here. Uh, you're currently um, in the FCS level with U uh, and I, and you're at a alum of U and I yourself, a 6 round pick. Talk to me about that finding these guys um and then i'll have a follow-up to this also but finding these guys you know not necessarily highly recruited or you know just big guys not found not found these diamonds in the roughs talk to me about that how you how you go
2: about that as a coach now yeah well um you go out there and uh you know you have scouting services that tell you okay these kids are worth it and this that and the other thing but you know for me um i like to scour the small towns because um you know I'm not sure you know in today's world I don't know where I would be you know and so I want to give these kids a chance to to have a chance to compete and so I'm trying to find even when you know let's say a scouting service there's a a big kid say six four six five um, decent weight um, but they put him you know as a five which means he's not good at all he's you know uh, a lot lower than our level um i'll watch their film just because y- you just never know some people can evaluate talent some people can't and and so there's certain things you look for you know do they have size do they have uh explosion um are they willing to stick their nose in there um can they move uh can they react can they dominate at the point of attack those are all things that you look for but one of the the biggest the, the few biggest things are um do they have the size and the explosion and the athleticism so those are the three big ones
1: awesome i uh, so a follow up to that is there's a kid right now from the high school that i went to who i uh, had mentioned you in a tweet and you guys had offered him his name is Austin Leibfried since then he's gotten a few division 1 offer fbs level offers So the follow up to that and finding these guys that you're talking about, when a kid starts getting those FBS type offers, are you still, are you still on the trail? Are you still trying
2: to contact them or do you just kind of let them go? It it depends on who, um, is offering, you know, if it's a, if it's a Mac school, we'll still go after them because, um, head to head since 2015, we've had. More draft picks, more guys in the bowls that send you to the NFL than any one of those schools there. And we've had more than most of the Mac. And so if you look at that, um, you don't have to go BCS to make it to the NFL because, you know, we proved that not this year, but the year before with number 19 pick overall. And then a kid that I recruited out of Lennox, Iowa, who's a starting right tackle for the Buffalo Bills, Spencer Brown. You know, I, I saw him. He was 6'7", about 215. He was a good athlete. And, um, you know, those two with a big frame, uh, those two make a great combination. Then you got to find out who they are, what they're made of, and are are they willing to work. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're a first-round draft choice or free agent. When you get to training camp, it's all work. you got to work. Otherwise it's not going to work, nope, but nope, nope. Getting, getting, sorry, getting back to the Austin kid, um from Mount Horeb, right? Um, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to see him uh, next Wednesday at the camp, the mega camp over in river falls. Um, we weren't able to get him down on campus because of basketball. And then I think, I'm not sure if he was in track or whatever, but, We haven't been able to get him on campus, although um, we have him rated really high on our board. And hopefully, hopefully I can get to talk to him, uh, you know, at that camp and um, persuade him to come down.
1: Awesome. That's awesome to hear. Now, Coach, I got two for you,
0: especially since you brought up Spencer Brown. How cool is that to see, you know, a player you, you know, coach against in practice, um, you know, go on and play for, you know, the team that uh, you played for in the NFL for the Bills?
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of special. And there's uh, there's a PT physical therapist that I worked with out there. And um, he was my next door neighbor. And, um, you know, he helped me tremendously in my career. So when Spencer got drafted out there, gave him his name and and number and he got a hold of him and and Spencer has been using him. So, you know, it's just little things like that um, that you're able to help help these kids with, you know, I talked to them about, you know, what it's like, what you got to watch out for, what you got to do. You know, just to give them a heads up, because I didn't have anybody to help me with that. I just kind of had to make my own mistakes.
0: And now, coach, you you always hear, um, you know, crazy training stories of guys. Herschel Walker, they they claim only did, you know, push-ups, sit-ups. That was it. You know, living out on a farm. Were you doing some crazy workouts, you know, uh, bench pressing hay bales? What, what was there anything, uh, uh kind of nuts that you did that would be a, a training, training legend Lord type of thing?
2: Um, yeah, there's, there's stories going around about, uh, different things that I did as a kid, but, um, you know, I, uh, our uh, high school didn't have, uh, a weight room. Um, I went to such a big school that, uh, we didn't even have wrestling. I graduated 19 kids in my class, um, last game my senior year we had one guy on the sideline so we took a mini bus to the game we actually ended up winning that game like 38 to 12 or something like that you know kids uh, the teams would laugh at us when we got off the bus because actually the cheerleaders were in the front of that mini bus (laughs) but uh most of the time they weren't laughing when we got off the bus um or got back on the bus but um you know uh so what happened was we had a universal machine that was in our um lunchroom and i could bench the stack which was 310 when i was a sophomore that's easy you know no big no big deal um and so you know i i had these i had these weights that you know the plastic weights with cement in them and i did stuff at home a little bit in my room but that was the extent of my lifting until i got the scholarship offer and i got done playing basketball um the spring of my senior year then i actually uh built a weight bench um in my shop class and a squat rack and i cleaned out a chicken house and i lifted weights in my chicken house oh
3: that is so cool that is awesome and coach with you know growing up on a farm and going to a high school with not a lot of kids on the football team or not a lot of kids in general like when was the moment where you were like hey like I could actually do this football thing for a career. Like, what was that moment for you?
2: It was just, um, you know, I don't know, Has it ever really sank in that much because, um, you know, and this is kind of a, I don't know, whatever story you want to put it is. So I, I made, uh, I don't know, first or second Pro Bowl, and you guys have heard of Mert Hanks, right? You remember that name? Yeah. So uh, my my pastor from Green Bay, actually went over to one of my pro bowls and he was talking to Merton Hanks. Somehow he got to meet him and, you know, uh, my pastor was asking Merton Hanks about me and Merton goes, yeah, he's a superstar. He just doesn't know it, you know, cause that's, I never, for me, when I was at, you know, the Packers stadium, the people I talked to most were the janitors, the equipment guys and the trainers and the, uh strength conditioning coach, because those, those are the people that are down to earth that are real. And, you know, for the most part, I did have a couple of friends here and there, but I didn't get caught up in all the BS and, you know, thinking that your crap crapped stink. Um, because you know, I, I knew where I came from and, you know, it was a, it was a good upbringing you know, uh, in rural Iowa, when I ran the, uh, gravel roads, getting ready for football, I would push myself telling myself, you want to get out of here, don't you? And so I pushed myself even harder running on the gravel roads. But, you know, once, (laughs) once I got away from there and got out into the big cities, I, um, I, I wasn't so sure that I didn't want to go back to a small town because, you know, I'd lived a pretty sheltered life, but, Uh, that's okay. That's a, it's a good place to raise a family.
1: So you're talking about these players, you know, obviously some big names. I mean, like you mentioned already, Bruce Smith is one, you know, teammates, Brett Favre, Jim Kelly, you know, the list goes on and on. And especially now, I feel like uh, I don't want to call it a cult hero kind of thing with, with teams and fans, because I mean, to be an NFL defensive player of the year, you kind of have to be really good. Um, But, to see the way, like, you know, you've fallen into, um, you know, fallen into your, your place in history around such big names. Does that give you some kind of comfort? Like, uh, like the story you were just telling, like, you, you, Hey, you were that good. You were a superstar. Uh, and you might not have known it. Does, is it kind of cool to reflect on that way?
2: Um, yeah, I suppose when, well, I guess kind of a funny story. So about, um, uh, after Christmas, the kids came back, you know, the kids that I'm coaching. And one of the DBs came up to me or no, it was after spring break. And he goes, Hey, we watched your uh, highlights on whatever. And I was like, Oh really? And he's like, yeah, he shakes my hand. You were, you were good. Uh, yeah. But you're just figuring that out now. You know, it was, it was kind of funny. It was like, Oh, now, now he respects me more because he saw the video, you know, it's, it was always there. It's just, he didn't, he didn't see it, I guess, or whatever, but you know, it's um, you know, but there's two sides of that coin too, where, you know, people say, well, it was because of the other people that you were able to do that. And so, um, so here's what I would say to that one. Okay. So, Daryl Talley um, was right beside Bruce Smith before I got there. They got rid of Daryl Talley, but who was on the other side? It was Cornelius Bennett. I don't know if you know anything about Cornelius Bennett, but he was freaky. So so you have Daryl Talley beside Bruce Smith, and you have Cornelius Bennett on the other side. Cornelius Bennett was a lot better athlete than me. Okay, God blessed him a lot more than he did me. Now, am I pissed to God? No, because I had what I needed to succeed. But the the reason I'm telling you this is because if it was just because of Bruce Smith, then why didn't Cornelius Bennett ever come close to those numbers? Right, He never did. Even when I was there, he didn't. So uh, to me, that doesn't hold any weight, um, you know, uh, and, um, you know, it, it's hard work. And, you know, it was more mental than physical. You know, everybody talks about, oh, you have to be this super specimen. No, you have to be really smart. You have to be able to study film and be able to process it at, you know, at a split second and know, okay, when this certain formation comes out, they will only run a few plays out of it. So you narrow it down. So now I get tee off and people don't understand that it's a, it's a game of chess and, if you can't process and you aren't mentally strong or sharp, there's no way you can produce. And I was given that ability with enough ability to make the plays.
3: Now, being with the Bills during that time period, was it ever awkward, like, with the four Super Bowl losses? Like, was that something you could ever, like, bring up in the locker room or bring up in jest? or is that something that kind of was like, ah, let's not talk about any of that?
2: Yeah, no. Um, every once in a while, guys may – refer to it or say something to it but i just i just stayed away from it but you know um if you think about it uh so they played on turf and they played if you add up the number of games they actually played a whole nother year of games in those four years and never had catastrophic injury that is unheard of and plus look at most teams when they lose one super bowl they don't come back most of the time right no so you know for them to do that is pretty it's pretty amazing uh but pretty defeating also (laughs) you know but it was it was amazing that they could do that um but i you know i don't know i once i got into that locker room i understood why it happened let's put it that way (laughs) well do tell coach do tell Uh, i I can't divulge those things but let's just put it that way this way that um you know, um what do Any you bit do of strife? No, it wasn't so much that, but uh they like they enjoyed their time away from football, let's put it that way. I see. Fair enough.
0: Now, coach, over your career, you know, had had a great one, but who were the best O line? there like the ones you dreaded the most to go up against? Because the nineties was pretty loaded. Yeah, Biselli. I it's mean yeah. Larry Allen, Randall McDaniel, Bruce Matthews. I mean there there was, you know, no shortage of elite and some of the great offensive linemen of all time. So who who was that one guy or two guys that even maybe in practice you dreaded going against?
2: Basile was pretty good. Um just didn't last that long. Um you know, there's Jonathan Ogden that had like go go gadget arms. Um you know, Larry Allen. Um Eric Allen, you know, I think um, Eric Allen was he was the right tackle for Dallas then. And I, I got him his rookie year and I I thought, oh, man, I got a rookie. No, that's not a normal <laughs> rookie, you know. And then and another thing that you guys don't realize is so when um, Reggie White first came to Green Bay, he wouldn't go down inside and play D tackle um, when it came to a nickel pass rush. And so who'd they put down inside you? (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, I went against, uh, Nate Newton and all those guards. Um, and the one thing that I, that I figured out, uh, is if you back off the ball about a half yard, it gives you it, the timing works out a whole lot better than if you're up on the ball, because when you're defensive and you have more time to react to things when you're inside and you're, you know, your nose is right. Nose to nose. Um, you don't have as much time. And so to give me time, I had to back off the ball and I could use my quickness then uh, in that space to beat those guys.
1: So I'll follow up to, I'll follow up to that. Who, who is like, the hardest person to tackle or um or like the person you consider the best player that you offensively you played against that uh to tackle. Uh, Barry
2: Sanders. Okay. That's fair enough. Hands down. But we did figure him out um my last uh year in Green Bay we held him to negative one yard rushing. And if if you watch this film almost all the time he would get out there and he'd start shaking he'd always go outside so you get out there and you just chop a little bit and then at the end you just go outside and you make the play plus the the other thing too is you know their offense and i think this was part of why Barry Sanders quit early is their offense was so simple um every every play there was a guy that wasn't blocked and that was Barry's guy you have to beat him and so, um, and they would keep basically the same concept and the same, um, uh, checks at the line. And so that game, if you watch that game, there's times when the quarterback would make a check and I would walk down over the guard because of playing outside linebacker, I walked down over the guard, listened to the check. And I'd start pointing out yelling where the play was going. Cause I knew what it was. So, you know, wow. they were so stubborn. And hard-headed, they figured they could keep doing that, and Barry was so good. Well, you know, it, again, it's a, a game of chess, and if you understand and you take notes during the game and you process, uh, you can beat them.
1: So that brings me to another another question, um, is the old adage, like, if, uh, if you can't do, teach. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, being a former player and that deep dive you just gave us, you understand the game on a whole different level, Did you find it hard in your early years of coaching to get your point across or maybe like, I don't want to say dumb it down necessarily, but maybe dumb it down for some players? Because obviously at the, like starting, you started as a high school coach and now you're at the FCS level, which is a big step, but trying to like get those, those little things across that are, that are the bigger
2: nuances. That's, That's a great question. And I think everybody should have to coach high school football because There, you can't shit those kids. I mean, they know when you're BSing them. They know if you're, you know, uh, fake. And you got to use what you have. You can't go out and draft people. You can't, you know, recruit. Well, now you can recruit, but, you know, you couldn't. And so you've got to adapt and adjust. And you can't make it. My philosophy was I was the head coach, the defensive coordinator, and a linebacker coach. Right. And so my philosophy was, hmm, if these kids are going to be successful, they need to know what they're doing, because I totally believe that, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can go 100 mile an hour. You can be a lot better player going fast and not worrying about what, you know, they're going to do and just attack. And that's what I did with the kids. And, you know, um, I would change it up a little bit here and there. And (laughs) Uh, there was uh, uh, the team that I coached against. uh, So I started coaching at East De High School. And I was an assistant up there for three years. And then I got the head job at Green Bay Southwest. And so they changed conferences and then we went into their conference. Well, um, are you potentially talking about Kimberly right now? Uh, I could get there, but they knocked the living crap out of us. So I won't go there,
1: but. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough, because, like, I've being from Wisconsin, Kimberly High School has the longest win streak. About the time you were there is when they had the oh, longest
3: yeah. that's, that's
2: high school win started. streak. That's when they yeah. started it. You know, Jamie um, Wells, I think it was, ran a 4-2, and we had the angle on him, and he outran everybody right at the sideline, and my D-line coach looked at me, and he was like, and I was like, what are you going to do? You know, yeah, speed kills, but... <clears throat> Anyway, so a funny little story about this um, is, you know, when huddle first came out, I dug in huddle and you could break things down. Now, now huddle and other people do it for you and you get all this information, but I could break the film down and I knew there coaches had so many tendencies and I, I could kill coaches just by studying film. And I did. And so what I did was I had an automatic defense that I set on Monday. And so here's what it is. In these formations, you call this. If they if they motion you call this, you know, bring this linebacker, bring that linebacker, whatever. And so we went to getting back to East Pier where I first started. I knew that their chain gang and their coaches would steal signals. So so I'm sitting on the sideline and I've got this system already put into place that they can't figure out because the chain gang after the game and some of the coaches were like, he doesn't do anything on the sidelines. He doesn't call anything. Well, the defense was put in on Monday and we practiced it the whole week and you guys were so stubborn and set in your ways and tendencies that we could shut you down by the kids running the defense. And so, you know, Uh, It it was just funny because they were all pissed off because they didn't think I did anything. Well, to me, if you do your job early during the week, you don't have to scream and holler. You don't have to make many adjustments. Although there were some times when the adjustment or the, um, the automatics weren't working, I took it over and started calling the defense because I knew the tendencies. So I had put my work in early in the week so that, that, you know, that wouldn't, um, you know, derail us, but um, you know, you can make it as hard as you want or as easy as you want. Um, but, yeah, for me it was, hey, let's make it easy so these kids can go 100 miles an hour and have fun. Because what what's the point of games? It's having fun. If you can't have fun at football, then what's the point? It's too hard. You You have to love the game. You have to want to go out there and enjoy and have fun in the game. If it's not that, then, you know, you should quit playing. Oh, I want the helmet and the pads right now. Me- <laughs> yeah.
3: I know coach, the way you talk about, you know, coaching it, it feels like you were, you're such a natural, but reading up on you, it sounds like, you know, the way that this came about, you know, the, the local coach comes to your house, you're not home. Your wife says, you know, he asked, you know, is, is Bryce interested in coaching? And, and she says, you know, yeah, you'll see him tomorrow morning, but you hadn't known at the time. Like, is that story a hundred percent true? Like, was it really, you know, your wife that
2: kind of gave you that nudge into becoming a coach? It is true. Very true. Because she was like, yeah, when, when, uh, does he need to show up? <laughs> so, you know, and there's a, there's a good story about uh, how I got, uh, found at Northern Iowa too. It was because of her. Um, and so she takes credit for my, for my career in football and in coaching. I should get the football credit too. Okay. So, um, you know, I told you I was from such a small town and people thought, well, he doesn't play Iowa and Iowa state, uh, both said thanks, but no thanks. And I have a letter actually at my mom and dad's house in a dresser from, I can't remember if it's Iowa, or Iowa state, but it actually says thanks to no thanks. And yeah. And so, you know, those are, those are always motivating things. But, uh, um, anyway, um, sorry, uh, I got distracted. What, what, what were you asking me?
3: Oh, how your wife pushed you also oh, yeah. to
2: be a, okay. a player. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um came from a small town, and my coach uh, came from Wayne State. He was an All American linebacker. So, he was, you know, putting my name out there all over the place. And, um, you know, my wife actually was a year older than me. Uh, she robbed the cradle. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, she was at Northern Iowa, and one of her friends knew the coaching staff. And so, one night after, <clears throat> After a home game, the coaching staff was in this pizza joint and my, my to be wife or my wife now, uh, and her girlfriend were in there and she goes, and the girlfriend had seen me and knew that I wanted to play and all that. And she walked up to the coaches and said, Hey, you got to get a hold of her boyfriend. He's big and he wants to play. And so (laughs) that's how the whole ball started rolling to get me to go to Northern Iowa.
1: I think you got to pull out that letter because you got to start this current season, this 2023 season at Iowa State. I think you got to, I think before the bus goes, I think you got to show the letter to the team to get everybody going on Saturday. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That could be. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, to that point, um, those kids and uh, Northern Iowa is different um, in the fact that the kids here, are amazing human beings. They're good, hardworking kids that know their crap stinks. They love the game of football. They want to be good, and they bust their butt. And so, you know, most of those kids got overlooked by Iowa State, too. So to, to say that they have a chip on their shoulder is very correct. I mean, that's an understatement. They want to knock the living crap out of them. Let's go. No. let's go,
0: Coach. Uh, say you've got a Saturday noon game. Kind of take us through your, you know, preparation that morning from kind of waking up until you take the field for uh, game time. What What's going on? Are you listen to any music? Any special meals? Special ritual that you're kind of going through the day of the yeah. game? As As a player, player and coach. Art I Coach. I think yeah. we'll see if it uh, changed up or how it changed
2: up. What was it like in the nineties? What was, what were we doing to get ready? Okay. So usually a noon game, uh, we would eat four hours before the game. So, you know, the team would have a meal, uh, at eight o'clock. So you'd get down and eat then. Um, then what I would do is I'd take the first bus over to the stadium, uh, or drive depending on if we were home or we were away. Uh, because I always had to get there. You know, if I had three and a half hours, I killed three and a half hours. I had four hours, I filled four hours, whatever it was. But my ritual was you get to the, uh, you get to the stadium and, you know, you get your equipment and first thing I would do um, is go in to the shower and we usually had, depending on if you were home or away, you'd have a, a big ice tub, you know, a big garbage can full of ice and ice water. And then you'd have one that had hot. And so I would go back and forth from hot to cold and finish in hot, um, you know, before the game. And then what I would do is I'd go in and get my ankles taped and and start stretching uh, my calves on the slant board. That'd take me 15, 20 minutes. Uh, And then I would get on a treadmill and I would start walking on the treadmill and then I would walk backwards for a while. And I would, you know, side shuffle and then walk backwards because you need to, you know, uh, start to facilitate all the muscle groups uh, because you've been sitting for a long time and your your glutes and your hamstrings shut off. And so you've got to reactivate those and get those moving. And then so I would probably do about 15, 20 minutes, you know, in that warm up. And then I would start stretching um, and by that time, it was usually starting the countdown of, you know, um, quarterbacks and specialists and whoever goes out on the field. I'd go out on the field and, and dick around with uh, teammates a little bit, you know, trying to throw uh, knuckle balls with football and, you know, play a little catch and, you know, get a little warmed up, uh, do some sprints and, and some karaoke and different things. And then I'd come back in take my own risk because um I don't know the trainers always would start pinching my my hands and stuff like that. So I figured out how they taped it and then I i started doing it and I've done it a million times. So anyway I would do that. And then I'd always get, you know, I'd always start three and a half, four hours before, but <laughs> when it came down to getting out for pregame warm-up, I was always one of the last ones to the door. Um and then, you know, after that, then we go through our pregame uh, ritual, or, you know warm ups, and that was pretty much it. But you know, as far as listening to music, um, we always had music on in the um, in the locker room uh, back then. You know, some guys had headphones, some guys didn't. Uh, I wasn't big on that, um, but you know, I just was very nervous and very focused and you know your body changes it knows when when you're gonna um going to battle and uh, i'll never forget one of the first times i ever because like in a home game i would go over to my neighbor's basement um you know before i go to the stadium and the first time i ever did that he's like what what is going on and i'm like what are you talking about he goes your body is totally different and it just was the fight or flight. Your body started to tense up and it was ready. It knew what was coming. And so, you know, um, so those, that was kind of my routines, um, you know, uh, before a game. Now, as a coach, it's, mm, it's quite a bit different. Uh, I wake up, I'm I'm nervous because I, I guess I'm more nervous as a coach than I ever was as a player, because there's, There's so many things that can go on that are out of my control. Plus I'm in charge of, you know, 12 to 16 young men and a lot of crap can happen with 12 to 16 young men, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so, you know, how are they going to perform where with me, I knew how I performed or how I would, how I studied and I knew what should happen you know, with, with kids, you know, you never know with that many variables who has studied, who hasn't studied. I give them the answers to the test, but they got to study for it. And a lot of times they do, sometimes they don't. And that shows up, you know, on game trail.
1: I love it. Uh, so those eight, those eight o'clock, uh, uh, uh meals, What was, what was, is there one that like got the motor going for sure? Like our favorite or was it just whatever pancakes, eggs, bacon, toast? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, it was for me, it was most of the time I would have sausage, pancakes and eggs. That was my big, you know, if it was a later game, I'd always have spaghetti.
1: Okay. I'm writing that down. I still, I still play some, some sports myself. So I'm writing that down. That's, that's the go, go juice. Uh, and then I'll follow up too. Uh, what is your favorite? So I'm, I'm like a middle of the road. I've seen a few movies. Luke doesn't watch a lot of movies. Diaz is like a film critic. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you a film guy? Not football film, movie film. Uh And what's your favorite
2: movie? Oh, favorite movie. Um, it probably have to be shoot. Um, like in old westerns it would be Tombstone or something like that uh okay i love well i grew up with like john wayne and stuff like that now i watch some john wayne movies i'm like wow that's pretty bad but when i was a little (laughs) kid you know um i used to be the remote control right we had three channels and dad said hey go change the channel (laughs) and sometimes i'd have to hold the the antennas you know with the uh tinfoil on the top of the rabbit ears to you know move it this way move it that way oh there you got it hold it okay i can't see the tv but i can hold it that's uh, awesome but uh movies um yeah that would be i don't know um i'm sure there's other ones but uh can't think but i do watch movies i like movies um you know i, I like the fast and furious movies uh oh creed three I like that
1: you like the action you like the yeah. yeah, I kind of you kind of emulate your play style with your movie choices I feel like a lot
2: of action yep exactly
3: uh coach I do have one last question about you know your coaching journey you know you went to Minnesota for a year you tried to get in at the NFL level right now you're at northern Iowa are you right now kind of content with where you are where where you're at or are you going to try to make that leap to FBS or NFL at another time
2: yeah um i never i don't know i i guess the minnesota thing um
1: sometimes... as a badger fan i'll speak for you pj fleck not not that great of a guy it's fine
2: i didn't say that but um <laughs> um but we'll leave it uh well, let's put it this way sometimes you figure out in life what you want what you don't want right Fair. absolutely so, so we'll just leave it at that um you know, uh, I've got some friends that coach in the NFL. Um, I wouldn't mind that, but here, here's my scenario. So my wife started a store um, with my two oldest daughters in town in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and, and it's doing really well, and she's always talked about doing that, and I can't ask her not to um, keep that store open or to move it or shut it down. I can't do that. Um, she has... She has supported me and been my biggest uh, cheerleader my whole life, and now she gave you your career, right? Right. So, so for me, for me to say I'm going to do something, I can't. I can't do that. I can't be that selfish anymore. My kids, my kids, my two sons. You know, you got to go do this. Got to go do that. No, I did that once. Um, I don't need to do that. I'm coaching to help people. I'm coaching to mentor young men and make them a lot better person than I was at their age. You're an incredible human. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So that's, that's why I coach. Um, because I don't need to be away from my family. Um, I don't need the accolades. I don't, you know, and I'm not, I'm not bragging. I, I don't need the job, but I have to have it. Why is that? Because we were created, uh for a purpose and i figured out what my purpose is to help people and i do that best through the game of football
1: i love that coach i i appreciate you coming on today i i also selfishly have one more follow-up we've taken up a lot of your time about a week ago so with ai in this new world we have uh people love to do these lists about a week ago kurt warner got on twitter and he saw a list that included the ten best uh, FCS players, or back in the day, Division I AA players of all time, using Chad gbt the AI program. And he was, I, I'd, I'd go so far as to say, furious that your name was not on that list. Oh, how do you, how did that make you feel when that just that pop, that tweet just pops up?
2: Um, you know, I looked at it and I was going to respond, um, but. I don't know. Um, I I had such a great career that, you know, the the odds of that are so astronomically against it that, you know, uh, I, I was so blessed that I, I can't bitch about it. You know, if they want to put me on the list, that's fine. If they don't, but they can't take away what I did. But if you, if you look at it, okay, so that list didn't include Howie Long. It didn't include, uh, Walter Payton, uh, Jackie Slater, um, hair, uh, what's his name? Uh, Harrison, Rodney Harrison. Um, you know, I think it was Donald Ray- driver. Yeah. Randy moth. Um, you know, there's a ton of guys that it didn't include. And a lot of guys that are in the hall of fame. And so for that, I was like, eh, whatever. AI shit in shit out right? Absolutely
1: coach well I appreciate you taking your time I'm ready to put the pads on so if you need like a, a dummy here once you get uh, going again just somebody to get just tackled or you know take it down I'll, I'll be there for you but this has meant the world to me and like I mentioned before uh, gonna mean the world to my dad who named myself after you so um, I just Oh well, you know Wayne Wayne Hopwood. You know he's definitely he's definitely a character. Smart wouldn't be the first thing I'd go to. But he has his charm. He has his yeah. charm. So uh, we appreciate your time so much, Coach. And uh, hey, go get Iowa State. Go get them uh, and and the rest of the schedule this year. We're, we'll right. be rooting on. Now that you're on, we I I'm basically a UNI fan just all below right. my cheers. So all right, very good. Thanks. Not
3: so fast, my friend.
0: (laughs) A podcast presented by Student Union Sports.